Welcome to Springfield Church Online. We're so glad you're joining us today. Today I want to ask you a question. Whose race are you running? As we get started, let's pray. God, we thank you for this day that you have given us, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to be together again, Lord, to hear your word. We just pray, Father, that it may just heal the broken places of our heart, Father God, that we would leave here transformed differently than the way that we came. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you may have heard of Ilya Kipchoge. He's a Kenyan long-distance runner who is known as one of the greatest marathoners of all time. In the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Olympics, Kipchoge won the gold medal in the marathon event and repeated his victory at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, becoming one of the three athletes that have won the Olympic marathon twice and have won it back-to-back. -back. A marathon is 26.2 miles and the average time to finish is 4 hours and 30 minutes. Marathon times can be different based on an individual's age and gender, fitness level, training, and the course's difficulty, where it's located, weather conditions, and so many other factors that need to be considered when training for a race. What makes Kipchoge exceptional is that in the 2018 Berlin Marathon, he finished the race in two hours, one minute, and nine seconds. In the Tokyo Olympics, he blew away his competition by over a minute, completing the race in two hours, eight minutes, and 38 seconds. He has won the London Marathon four times, the Berlin Marathon three times, and the Chicago Marathon once. But what makes him extraordinary is that even though he has accomplished so much more than humanly possible, he recognized that no human has run a marathon in less than two hours, and he was resolved to do it. In 2019, in an event created specifically for him in Vienna, Kipchoge ran the marathon distance in one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. This was the first time a human ran a marathon in under two hours. He spent his whole life focused on consistency and discipline in the art of running. Kipchoge was able to make an individual sport a team sport with how he trains for his competitions. Surrounding himself with skilled trainers and coaches and other runners to create a supportive environment conducive to ensuring his success. He believes to be successful in running means thinking about it as a profession that brings provision for your family and not just as a hobby that you engage in like when you have time. It is part of everything you do. He lives his whole life focused on running his race. His life helps me to visually see what Hebrews was saying in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We all have a race to run that God has set before us. It makes me wonder what would have happened in the middle of one of his marathon races if Kipchoge decided it was just too difficult and took out a baton to pass it on to another runner and walked off the path. That would be completely ridiculous. We would all think this guy has totally lost it. He's supposed to be running a marathon, not a relay race. If he keeps on in, in, in the race that was created for him, he will finish. But if he starts running someone else's race, it is a guaranteed failure. Do you know how he was able to run a marathon in less than two hours? The marathon was organized specifically to meet that goal. His team chose the track. They chose the team of runners that would run with him to help him pace himself during the run. The runners were organized in such a way that it controlled the amount of wind that would hit him so that he could literally travel the path of least resistance. 
There was a car in front of them leading them with laser markers on the road to guide them through the whole race. So his race was designed. It was curated based on his strengths for his success. All Kipchoge had to do was what he was trained for, and that was just run the race. But if he starts running someone else's race, no matter how fast or how great or how talented or how gifted, it is guaranteed he's going to lose that race because it wasn't his race to run. In that same way, some of us get caught up in running a race that was never designed for us. And then we wonder why we struggle and we seem unprepared, lost, and exhausted. Kipchoge said, in a marathon, there are a lot of challenges, ups and downs. There is pain in training, pain in running, and the joy at the end of the marathon. So I can say that a marathon is life. And you know what? He's right. Our marathon is our life. And we choose whether we live the life God has set before us by trusting in him or we choose our own path by trusting our own knowledge, desires, and opinions. But our prize is greater than anything this world could offer. God sets up our race with people around us to support and encourage us and the Holy Spirit to lead us through the entire journey so that we can earn the prize of a crown that will last for eternity according to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Have you ever considered that every step you take in another race might be leading you further away from the path that God has set for you? Joshua is a significant figure in the Old Testament who throughout his life demonstrates faith, endurance, and perseverance while staying committed to God's path despite major challenges and distractions. His life can be metaphorically uh, be compared to running a marathon race. He first appears as, as Moses' assistant, the leader who led the Israelites out of uh, Egyptian slavery. He was a member of the Israelite tribe of Ephraim and was a military leader. His original name was Hosea, which Moses changed to Joshua, meaning Yahweh is salvation. Joshua served with Moses during the exodus from Egypt and the 40 years of wandering in the desert. God made a promise to Abraham and his descendants in Genesis 15, 18, saying, From the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River will be given to all his descendants. You see, Joshua and Moses, those were his descendants. Those are Abraham's descendants. So when God told Moses in Numbers 13 to send out men to scout the promised land of Canaan, Joshua was chosen as one of the 12 spies. Of the 12, only Joshua had and Caleb brought back a positive report. And even though there were giants living in the land, they believed God would be with them and bring them safely into the land. They believed that promise in Genesis 15 that the land would be theirs to inhabit. Now, it was different for the other 10 spies who, who were elders and leaders in Israel. They didn't want to move forward because they had fear dwelling within them. And they spread their unbelief amongst the other Israelites, because isn't that exactly what happens? Misery loves company. When they were all complaining about uh, with faithless attitudes, Joshua still chose to believe God that he would truly bring them into the promised land. The elders and, and the leaders who, were, who, who Joshua honored and respected were waffling in their faith and obedience, but Joshua and Caleb kept believing in God. And it was because of that lack of faith that God punished the Israelites, except for Joshua and Caleb, where he said in Numbers chapter 14, verses 28 through 35, 
God tells them, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell me this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. You, you said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring, bring them safely into the land, and they will enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you will drop dead in the wilderness, and your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of, of you lies dead in the wilderness. Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. Then you will discover that what it is like to have me for an enemy. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who, was, who has conspired against me. They will be destroyed here in the wilderness, and here they will die. And there it was, Joshua and Caleb's family and friends grieving because they will never enter the promised land. And even though God had demonstrated his faithfulness to them in, the, in numerous ways, they remained disobedient and faithless. Now imagine for 40 years being surrounded by people grieving and weeping because of the weight of God's punishment on them. Because of the disobedience of his people, Joshua had to suffer the consequence of roaming the desert for 40 years. Can you imagine paying the consequences for sin that you didn't commit? And for that long, God's promise for Joshua's life was delayed 40 years. And it was during those 40 years of wandering in the desert, he had to rely on God for guidance and strength in his faith. And just imagine the pain, anger, and bitterness that could have overtaken Joshua in the desert. And for four decades, he saw person after person die, knowing how it could have been different for them if they would have just trusted and believed God. I'm sure as he was paying the price for their sin, he had time to think and contemplate the failures of those who came before him. And instead of dwelling on the terrible circumstances and the delay of God's promise, Joshua used four decades to walk with God because time with God is never wasted. Remember how God changed Joshua's name from Hosea to Joshua? Well, Hosea in its simplest translation means one who helps or salvation. But the name Joshua is not just referencing a generic person who helps. It means Yahweh is salvation. He who causes us to be is our savior. So every time someone yelled out Joshua, he remembered that, not, that, that only Yahweh is his salvation, not just some random thing to believe in. He is the creator of everything, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. See, Joshua didn't waste time dwelling on what could not save him. He was studying the history of his predecessors. General George Patton said that you don't study history just to learn dates. You study history to learn what to do right and, and, and what to do wrong. Joshua resolved not to make the same mistakes that led him there, but to run the race that God had set for him, determined in his heart to never settle for anything other than God's best for his life. 
He was holding on to God's promise to enter and reside in the promised land. And because he demonstrated faithfulness during the longest 40 years of his life, he was appointed to lead the Israelites and just like God promised to lead them into the promised land. From Moses' assistant to the leader of the Israelites, God commands Joshua to lead the people into the promised land and assures him in Joshua 1, 5 and 6, that no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. God instructs Joshua to keep the law given by Moses, not to turn from it either to the right or to the left. Joshua is told to meditate on the law day and night and to be careful to do everything written in it. This obedience will bring prosperity and success. In this new leadership role, Joshua then commands the officers of the people to prepare provisions as in three days they will cross the Jordan River to take possession of the land that God is giving them. The people promised to follow his commands and to fight alongside their fellow Israelites. In a sign of support, the new generation of Israelites chosen to go to the promised land echo God's command to Joshua, encouraging him, be strong and courageous. Like a marathon runner, Joshua demonstrated faith and focus. You see, marathon runners need mental strength and focus, drawing on inner convictions to keep them going. Joshua's unwavering faith in God was his source of strength, keeping him focused on the ultimate goal, like a runner who stays focused on reaching the finish line. Like a marathon runner, Joshua prepared and trained extensively, like 40 years worth, essentially his whole life. Joshua spent years under Moses' authority, preparing for the leadership role that he would eventually assume. The period of preparation was crucial for developing the skills, wisdom, and faith that he would need to conquer all those who were living in the promised land. Like a marathon runner, Joshua demonstrated endurance and perseverance. A marathon is not a sprint. It it requires sustained endurance. Joshua's journey from leading the Israelites into Canaan through various battles and, and the settlement of the tribe showcases remarkable endurance and perseverance. His ability to lead over an extended period through various challenges and setbacks mirrors the endurance needed in a marathon. Like a marathon runner, Joshua demonstrated pacing and timing. Successful marathon running involves strategic pacing, knowing when to conserve energy and when to exert more energy. He knew what, to, what, what exactly to exert his energy on and what wasn't worth his time at all. He had to pace himself through those 40 years to be able to be ready to lead the people into the promised land. Like a marathon runner, Joshua demonstrated the ability to overcome obstacles and adversity. Marathons often present unexpected challenges requiring runners to adapt to different conditions. The weather could be bad. Maybe, maybe there are no crowds cheering you on. Maybe, maybe you suffered an injury that you have to endure now. Joshua faced numerous challenges, including the people of Israel being angry with him for having faith in God and holding on to the promise. His ability to overcome these obstacles showcases his adaptability and resilience. And like a marathon runner, Joshua demonstrated the final push and completion. Completing a marathon is a significant achievement, often marked by a final push towards the finish line. 
Joshua's life work culminated in the successful establishment of the Israelites in the Promised Land, just like a marathon runner completing their race. And in doing that, he demonstrated what it means to leave a legacy. Completing a marathon is a legacy for a runner. Joshua left a lasting legacy for the Israelites. His leadership laid the foundation for the future of the nation. Joshua's life represents a marathon through his long-term commitment, strategic leadership, endurance in the face of challenges, and unwavering faith culminating in a lasting legacy. Now you're probably thinking, that's great for Joshua, who, who was able to overcome adversity and run his race. But how, how do I run my race? What equipped Joshua to replace Moses as the leader of the Israelites was not his military expertise or his skill, but it was his spiritual walk and faith in God. It wasn't his head knowledge, but it was what was in his heart. The Bible says in Exodus 33:11, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of the meeting. He had been on, on, on Mount Sinai with Moses when Moses was talking to God in Exodus 32. He and Caleb were the only ones who saw the promised land with believing eyes when the people had doubted God. Joshua could have been tempted to lead like Moses, to run his race like Moses did, but he didn't. He learned what he needed and he led how God wanted him to. He could have decided to follow his own path in his own timing, but he learned what happens when you are not in God's timing. He could have given up. He could have given in and ran the race of complaining and unbelief like the Israelites did. And if he did, he never would have led the new generation to the land flowing with milk and honey. If we take a look at Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2, it tells us exactly how to run our race. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Throw off anything that slows us down, especially sin that entangles us. As part of an athlete's training, they, they must get in, the, in shape by working out consistently and strategically to build speed and strength. Greek runners took this literally, and because clothes hindered their running, I mean, they would run nude. I'm not saying that you should do that. I'm just telling you what the Greek runners did. This means that also shaping and trimming your body to lose excess weight, that would make you slower because it made you weak and unable to perform the way you wanted to. For believers, we train by, by removing what hinders and obstructs our walk with God. That means people, that means attitudes, limiting beliefs, sin, hate, unforgiveness, pride, anything that disrupts our walk with God. Matthew 18 verses 8 and 9 says, uh, it says that Jesus said, so if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into the eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. That's how serious God feels about sin, that he wants us to drastically run from it and address it. The verse continues, and let us run with endurance. 
Paul describes our race perfectly when he says in Romans 5 verses 3 through 5, he says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that, that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Endurance is having the ability and stamina to handle difficult things. So basically, short-term pain for long-term gains. Perseverance is continuing on a journey despite the obstacles to reach a destination or, or goal. It is through our everyday short-term pains, troubles, and obstacles that we endure and persevere because God is building character in us, his character, character that strengthens our faith. Faith that will even let us suffer for someone else's sin for years and years and years as we wait for a delayed promise. The verse continues, the race God has set before us. God has marked out the race before us. He has established a path we are to run and the rules for the race. And then we must run it his way, not whatever way we please or, or whatever's convenient for us. The race has been appointed to us to run and God has made the rules that will guide us in his word. Even Joshua was instructed to obey all the commands given to Moses. Joshua 1 verses 7 through 8 says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right or to the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it and a day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Hebrews 2 continues, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, fixing our eyes on Jesus, fasten your gaze or focus your attention on the finish line. You see, at the end of our race, we get to be with Jesus and he is the final and the greatest prize of all. When Jesus came as a human, he was made like us. He was tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he had complete victory over every obstacle that we face. That, that's what makes him our perfect model for our life of faith. Do you remember how uh, Kipchoge was able to run a marathon in under two hours? His hand-selected team of experts created an event for him to, to complete the challenge of running the marathon in under two hours. They chose the best runners to pace him so that he could endure through the race. They chose the most efficient way to put them in formation to minimize wind. They had a car with lasers pointing at the floor to guide them and his team. His team ensured he drank enough water by monitoring how much he drank by picking up the water bottles he, he, he drank from off the floor to measure how much he drank to determine if it was enough water for his body to sustain the pace through the race. Nike created special shoes for him to minimize the impact on the asphalt and help him spring into his next step. They marked out his race by choosing the location, the date, and the time that would provide the ideal running conditions for him. All this so that he could be successful. Has God not set, created, and curated a race for you? Has he not set you up for success by giving you gifts, skills, talents, and abilities to complete the race? Has he not provided sustenance for the race so that you can endure? 
Does he not keep you on, on pace so that you can conserve energy to complete the race? Does he, does he not provide the Holy Spirit to guide you step by step to keep you on track to win the race? If mere humans can, can do that for Kipchoge to set him up to accomplish something that no other human has accomplished, how much more does God do that for his sons and daughters who have been adopted into his family with equal inheritance? So I want to ask you this. When you become weary in running the race, remember you will have victory when you are running your race. So with that, I want to leave you with this question. Whose race are you running? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day that you have given us, Lord. Father, I pray for every person watching, Lord, that you would reveal to them whose race they are running, Father. Are they running the race that you created for them, or are they running a race that they have created for themselves based on their own personal desires, based on their own knowledge, based on the things that they want to do, Father? And if, Father, if it's revealed that we are running our race and not your race, Father, I would pray, Father, that we would allow you, Father, to redirect this, Lord Jesus, so that we would be able to continue our race that through this journey father that you would continue to give us strength that you would continue to give us sustenance father that our faith would grow in you lord jesus father god that ultimately that we would get to the prize and that is to be with you where you are one day so father we thank you and pray all these things in jesus's name amen Thank you so much for joining us this week. Be sure to join us at our new Spring Creek Church online campus at springcreekchurch.org. To get updates on our new online campus, text online to 96995. See you next week. <laughs>